Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Jesus went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. This was not just any journey to Jerusalem. This was our Lord's last journey to Jerusalem, for he was going there to die. It was in chapter 9 of St. Luke's Gospel where our Lord left the Mount of Transfiguration and set his face like flint towards Jerusalem, going towards Jerusalem in order to suffer and die for the sins of the world. But just because he was firmly set on going to his passion does not mean that he made his way there quickly. It's quite the opposite. He slowly moves towards Jerusalem, taking a more roundabout way instead of going there directly. After all, in chapter 17, we are still only in the midst of Samaria and Galilee, which is in the north. He is taking his time, not because he's avoiding his death, but rather so that he might preach to, teach, and heal as many people as possible. He slowly journeys to Jerusalem that he might tend and care for his flock. And so it is that he arrives at a certain village where there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Ten lepers standing afar as close as they could get to Jesus, crying out to help, crying out for help crying out to him to have mercy on them. And for most of our lesson, there are many similarities between these ten men. First of all, they'd all heard of Jesus. They'd all heard of the miracles that he had performed, of the healings that he had accomplished. And so those ten who had lived on the outskirts of society for as long as they have had leprosy, together appeal to the Lord Jesus to help them. They did not try to convince him to do so based on anything in themselves. Rather, they simply asked him to have mercy on them, to show kindness to them, even though they did not deserve it. They did not say, Jesus, I miss my family, heal me. Or, Jesus, I have great lands and wealth before my leprosy, restore me. Or, Jesus, I am a pious and righteous man, always attending synagogue, tithing and giving to the poor, save me. No, all of them simply appeal to him based on what they have heard, that he is good, that he is compassionate, that he is merciful and loving. They call out, Jesus, Master, have mercy. They call on him to have mercy because of who he is rather than because of anything in themselves. For their leprosy has left them with nothing and has brought them down all equally, no matter who they were before. And just as all ten lepers were alike because they knew there was nothing in themselves which made them worthy, so too all ten were alike in having faith in Jesus. They all alike trusted in him to heal them. If they did not believe that he could do it, if they did not trust that he would do it, they would not have asked. 
they would not have cried out to him. Instead, they would have stayed where they were, placing a finger over their top lip, shouting, unclean, unclean, lest he get too close. There may have been more lepers than just the ten. There may have been others that did just that, stayed away and shouted unclean because they did not believe, they did not trust, and so they did not ask. But these ten all trusted in Jesus and so asked him to have mercy on them. And when our Lord told them, go, show yourselves to the priests, they all showed faith in him and his word of promise to them. For all ten went to the priests. Notice Jesus did not say, I will be cleansed, so go show yourselves to the priests in accordance with the law. He only says, go show yourselves to the priests. He does not cleanse them right away. He only tells them to go and do what those lepers that believed they were already healed did. They were to go to the priest after having remained outside of the camp when they thought that they were healed of their leprosy. Then the leper would go to the priest, present himself, and ask to be judged as to whether he was healed or not. If he was, he was ritually cleansed with a sacrifice of a bird over uh, running water and then sprinkled with the blood of that sacrifice, then waiting in his house for a week and then shaving all of his hair, eyebrows included, and he would, after bathing, he would be clean. And so when Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests, these ten lepers, who still had leprosy, demonstrated indeed that they believed that Jesus would heal them before they reached the priests. Thus, they would all go to the priests according to the law, trusting that Jesus would heal them of their leprosy. And indeed, he does. All ten who went to the priests were healed on the way there. So it was as they went, they were cleansed, writes St. Luke. All ten do as the Lord had told them and go to the priests. All ten, by the time that they were there, were cleansed. The priests looked at all ten, declared all ten cleansed, performed the appropriate rituals that God had commanded through Moses. Not a single one was exempt from the healing. All ten that were lepers before were now healed of their leprosy. It did not matter who they were before or how severe their leprosy was, all had been healed. But this is unfortunately where the similarities end. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet and gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. The other nine, when they had been healed, did not return to give thanks. Only the Samaritan returned. Only he remembered the one who had healed him. Only he glorified God in thanking and praising him who cleansed him. The other nine, after their cleansing, simply went home. They hurried to their houses, to their families, to their friends. They gave no expression of thanksgiving to Jesus. Instead, they received a priceless gift, a gift beyond measure, and remained silent. How quickly their attitude changed after they received what they asked for, but did not deserve. Only he returned, and he was a Samaritan. The other nine members of the covenant of God with Israel, faithful Jews, did not return. Our Lord says, were not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? 
Were there not any found to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, to the Samaritan, Arise and go your way. Your faith has saved you. All ten knew they did not deserve to be healed, yet asked for mercy. All ten trusted in Christ that he would heal. They had faith in his word, and they went to the priests, and all ten were cleansed and remained cleansed. But only one returned to give thanks. Only one praised and glorified God. The others began well, but made shipwreck of their faith. They immediately sprouted, but withered, or were choked by the thorns. Only this one was steadfast in the faith. Only this one our Lord declares more blessed than the other nine, for he says, your faith has saved you. He declares this man, this Samaritan, not only cleansed of his leprosy, but cleansed of his sin. He is justified, declared righteous by God. And just as Abraham was declared righteous by faith, was justified by faith, so too this Samaritan. His faith was then demonstrated in this fruits of faith, his praise and thanksgiving. But why did only the one give thanks? Why did the others not return? Were not the nine also cleansed? Were they not also healed? Yes, they were. We are not told exactly why they did not return why they did not glorify God through praise and thanksgiving of Jesus who healed them. But there are a number of things which often hinder thanksgiving and gratitude. These hindrances are not only limited to the people in Jesus' day, but afflict us as well. The first sinful hindrance is the focus on the gift instead of the giver. It's easy to see how the other nine might have fallen into this. They had lived their lives long as lepers, slowly making their way towards a painful and gruesome death. And now they were healed and cleansed. Now everything that they thought was going to happen had been upended. When they look, what looked to turn out to be ill came out to be good. They became enamored by the majesty of the gift. They were blind to the splendor of the giver. Like a selfish child who is focused only on their present, they don't thank the one who gave it. So is the one who receives the gift from God but does not render thanks and praise. The gift is the focus, the good thing, rather than the ultimate good who is the giver of gifts. The Samaritan, however, did not forget. He saw the radiance of the gift that he received, but he knew that that was only a reflection of the giver. May God forgive us when we have done as the nine and make us like the Samaritan by his Holy Spirit. But this is not the only thing that hinders thanksgiving and praise and weighs down the soul with guilt. So too pride and conceit and presumption. How so? Consider this. The nine that were cleansed were all sons of Abraham by blood. Of course God would heal them. Why wouldn't he? They were sons of Abraham. They were only receiving what they were owed. The Samaritan, on the other hand, he has plenty of reason to be thankful. He's a Samaritan, unclean, not the people of God. He should be thankful that God even heard his plea at all. Or they may have thought like this. Was it really Jesus that healed us? 
The priests and the Pharisees don't really like him that much. Did he really do anything? He only told us to go. He didn't say we would be healed. It's merely a coincidence that God healed us on the way, healed us because of his covenant with Israel. Why should we thank Jesus at all? And this should not be surprising, especially in our day. Pride, conceit, and presumption have always been a problem with mankind when it comes to those things that God has given us. When he blesses us, the sinful nature lunges at the opportunity to claim this for its own achievement. Even in Deuteronomy, Moses warns the people of Israel, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by keeping his commandments, lest when you have, oh sorry, by not keeping his commandments, lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, then you say in your heart, My power and my might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Are we not tempted to think the same way? To think that what God has given us is our accomplishment, is the result of our striving? That others have done it instead of him? Is God not the one who heals through the physician and through what has been prescribed? If God had not willed to heal you, then no doctor or no medicine could bring about that healing. Even with all the tools and knowledge we have for farming and gardening, today we must rely on God to give the growth, just as our ancestors did who had simple hand tools. Yes, God forgave us, God forgive us any such pride, and by his Holy Spirit work in us true humility. For all that we have surely comes from him. What do you have that you did not receive? asks St. Paul. And indeed, as this nameless Samaritan saint has shown us, the giver is far greater than the gifts that he gives, even though these gifts themselves are many and great. Yes, he lavishes upon us many and various gifts, for all we have is from him out of his mercy and goodness and love. As we explain in the first article of the Creed in the Catechism, I believe God has given me my body and soul, my eyes and ears and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land and animals, and all that I have. He daily and richly provides me with all I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does out of his fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For this is my duty to thank, to praise, to serve, and obey him. Yes, so too he has washed us clean in the blessed waters of holy baptism, cleansing us by the washing of the water and the word. Of his grace in baptism he has saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Sin, like leprosy, clung to us and slowly but surely was bringing us to eventual death. But out of his mercy and for the sake of the sacrifice of his beloved son on our behalf, he has cleansed us so that our sins are forgiven. 
so that being baptized in his name and incorporated into his son, we may be cleansed daily and richly by the Holy Spirit. Even the ritual of the cleansing of the lepers in the Old Testament points us to what God does for us in holy baptism, in that a bird was sacrificed over water and his blood was drained into a pot. This blood was then picked up by means of a living bird, which was tied to hyssop with scarlet wool. And this second living bird, tied with scarlet and hyssop, sprinkled, was used to sprinkle the blood on the leper and cleanse him. In the waters of holy baptism, our sins are washed away, not because of the water, but because of the death of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and by virtue of his blood. Jesus, our Lord, who was mockingly dressed in scarlet and was given sour wine on a sponge attached to a hyssop branch. He, and though he died, he rose again and lives evermore so that he is the one active in our baptism, uniting us in baptism to his death and resurrection, promising that we too will rise to life immortal. And in the Lord's Supper, what wonderful gifts he bestows upon those who come to his table. In this sacred meal, he himself feeds us with his most holy and precious body and blood. He is both host and meal, priest and victim. He has promised us that the bread which we eat is not only bread, but it is also his body which he has given into death for our sins. The cup which we drink is not only wine, but it is his very blood which he shed that we might be forgiven. Here we taste and see that the Lord is good, for in this meal he gives to all who eat and drink of the body and blood of Christ in repentant faith the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. How appropriately this sacrament is called the Eucharist, the thanksgiving. For how can we not give thanks to God for all the blessings that he gives to us through it? How can we not offer to God the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving in response to what he gives us in this sacrament and all that he gives to us by grace through faith? How can our mouths which have received the body and blood of Jesus not glorify God with a loud voice? How can we who have received such holy things with our mouths not fill those same mouths with praise and thanksgiving. Yes, in such thanksgiving and praise, we make known the glories of God. We make known his gifts and his benefits. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, writes David in the Psalms. And again in the Psalms, the Lord says, For the world is mine, and all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls? Or drink the blood of goats? No, but offer to God thanksgiving, and pay your vows to the Most High. All is his. There is nothing that we can give him or offer him that he does not already possess. All we can do is thank and praise, serve and obey him, as the Catechism says. For he has already done all things for us. He has given us such wonderful gifts of his goodness and grace in this life, but also 
going into the life to come, most especially in the life and salvation we have through faith. May God remove from us all ingratitude and pride and increase in us true thanksgiving, praise, obedience, and holiness for the sake of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and through his merits and mediation. Amen. And now may the peace of God surpasses all understanding. Guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen. <laughs>